Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larikia, and this is episode number 153 of the podcast. It's the 5th of December, 2018, as I record this intro. So this week on the podcast, Anna Brown joins me. We're heading into the heart of December, so I invited Anna to join me to talk about navigating the holiday season through the lens of unschooling. So we dive into the idea of holiday traditions, setting up visits with extended family for fun, ways to support our children's developing relationships with their relatives, things we might do when someone challenges us about our unschooling lifestyle, and lots more. As a personal update, I think I mentioned it in the episode, I'm having lots of fun getting ready to host my extended family over the holidays. I like to have a list of games to play and things to do at the ready so that I'm not standing there on the spot trying to think of something. (laughs) And I do enjoy planning the meal as well. I'm also having a lot of fun exploring and contemplating some gifts I think the kids will like. Things that I think connect with who they are. Uh, that will make them smile and feel seen, understood, and cared for. And as always, I want to thank everyone who has chosen to support my unschooling work like this podcast and my website through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron, Kaylin Keach. Hi, Kaylin! I really do deeply appreciate all my patrons. Their generous support is vital to helping me freely share information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. A couple of days ago, I actually sent out the December inspirational desktop wallpaper image. So there's a library of eight of them now that you'll get immediate access to if you join at the $3 a month level or higher. So if you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash exploring unschooling. And with that, let's dive into my conversation with Anna. Welcome, I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm joined by Anna Brown. Hi, Anna. Hello. (laughs) Now, Anna's been on the podcast before many times, so if you'd like to hear more about her unschooling journey, I will put links to her episodes in the show notes. This episode goes out the first week of December, and as we move into the holiday season, we realize that things can get challenging. You know, maybe you're deep into de-schooling and you're questioning everything right now, including maybe your holiday traditions, to see how well they really fit into your family. Um, maybe you're the lone unschooling family and you're anticipating uncomfortable visits with extended families as the holidays start to gear up. And then there's also that just that general stress level that seems to build both in the people around us and even sometimes in ourselves as we feel that growing weight of expectations of the season, no matter how you celebrate. 
Um, so this week I invited Anna to join me to talk about navigating the holiday season through the lens of unschooling. And first, I want to dive into the idea of holiday traditions, because I remember that aha moment when I realized that I didn't have to try and twist my family into all the holiday traditions that I and my husband right, grew up with, right, trying to mesh two different families' traditions together, that everything truly was a choice. It was another layer I was peeling back with unschooling. Everything is truly a choice, even around holiday traditions. And when I had that realization, it felt so freeing. So I was wondering how that perspective unfolded for you, Anna. Yeah, I mean, it, it was huge for me as well. You know, I because so I'm somebody that loves the holidays. I know not everybody does, but I get really excited. I do too. <laughs> I love the life. I love all of it. Um, and so, but yeah, but having kids and especially attachment parenting and all the things that we did like really change things, you know, some things got a little bit more complicated and lots of things got a lot more fun. <laughs> so it was just so great, you know, it was just kind of multiplied. Um, but I think kind of what we kept at our core was talking to the four of us. So we're a family of four and, um, that was the priority, you know, making sure that we kind of put everything through the lens of what do the four of us want out of any given holiday or any given tradition. And so just a little bit about us. So we, my husband and I grew up in the same town and his parents are divorced. So we have three sets of parents, you know, living separately and siblings and extended family all in this one town. And for really the majority of our kids' lives, we did not, we lived in separate states, sometimes, you know, five states away, sometimes a couple states away, but always, you know, big drives or that type of thing. And then you'd get to the city and it's, oh, we're supposed to see everybody, you know? <laughs> You know, when it was just David and I, like, that was not a big deal. We just pop around to people's houses and do and have the meal or whatever. But when you're considering little kids, especially, and other things, you know, that changed things because I really wanted it to be fun. I wanted to think about developmentally where they were, interest level where they were, you know, all of those different pieces. And so we would just kind of, you know, keep talking through what we were looking for and you know, what we wanted out of it. And I would just be really careful to around family to keep my energy in a good place so that it was, I had the energy of my joy of the holidays and, you know, that that's what we were protecting and doing and putting out there. And so it didn't, it didn't seem very adversarial because I know sometimes with people that have asked us questions about things that can kind of get adversarial. And I think I had to be really careful about keeping my energy, you know, in check. And I think another important, you know, we would find a solution that worked great for a year and figuring out what happened, but realizing that it would also change. <laughs> so we might find something that works one year for everybody. And then the next year, it's different. Our sleep schedules are different. Someone's older, someone's, you know, new babies come somewhere else, or we've got, you know, these things to consider. So it was for us, it was keeping it flexible and open and, you know, just enjoying it. If there was particular traditions that we really wanted to keep sacred to us, like we would just keep that with the four of us, you know, like make sure we were doing those particular things mm -hmm. um, and then enjoy seeing the extended family. So yeah, yeah that's some of the stuff that, that we energy is such a, is such a big piece of it, I think. Right. Because um, 
it, it, it helps not make it adversarial with other people as you're trying, as you're figuring things out and what plans will, might work, won't, won't work this, this year. That's another big piece. Not, yeah. you know, these are never lines in the sand. Like this is the way it's right. going forever. This is just what's going to work for us this year. It's something I found really interesting. It was actually last week. So I was reading a book. I just finished a book called The Art of Community. And I highlighted this quote I wanted to share. So he wrote, if you're stuck keeping your traditions exactly the same, then know that you're likely maintaining something that will grow less meaningful and appropriate for a community mm -hmm. that won't remain exactly the same. A dynamic mm -hmm. community needs dynamic growth in its rituals. All symbols and rituals serve their purpose for a time. They share people, communities, even nations, and time moves on. I love that idea. Time moves on. You know, <laughs> you know, this is completely, you know, not about families, but families are communities. We are trying, that's, we're trying to live in community with our children, not the parent, child, right. you know, you know, we are developing a community and, and it, it's really true that we can get stuck in trying to maintain something just for the sake of maintaining it rather than growing with us, right? Because if you're stuck in trying to maintain it, those are, they become obligations, right? Absolutely. And knowing the changes, I mean, if you take a big extended family, there's changes in every family. It's not even just about us. There's a new baby over here, or there's a divorce over here, or there's something happening here. So I love that idea of, you know, keep the community as the forefront versus the tradition as the forefront. So in this case, keep the family and extended family as the forefront in those relationships, you know? Yeah. And when, so like you talked about the four of you guys figuring out what's working for you guys each year, that's the, the same idea of what we do. We just, we touch base. And if there's joy in doing the things that we traditionally do, we keep doing them, right? There are things that have developed into traditions for us that have lasted years. Um, and even sometimes there might be something that continues to be meaningful to only one or two of us, but still that's worth it. We do our best to try and figure out a way to make that work because that's just how we roll as a family through any interest or anything we choose to do, traditions are, we take just kind of the same way, right? We try to help each other do the things that each of us wants to do. So, you know, when we talk about, um, about looking at various traditions, it, it's not even just for this holiday season, right? It's around birthdays, you know, yeah. it's around summer, summer holidays, like Canada Day, it's around Thanksgiving, yeah. you know, it's around all these kinds of traditions. And every time they roll around, I just do a, a light check-in with everybody, you know, who's involved, you know, because, you know, maybe Lissy's not going to be in town for <laughs> a particular holiday or somebody's working. Like you said, you know, yeah. something's come up. So I will mention what I'm thinking about for it, see if they're up to it. I'll ask them if they have anything they want to add to it. You know, it's just kind of opening the conversation each time and checking in. So, it's like, you know, this year we're doing Christmas Eve and, and we're hosting and is that good? And, you know, right. is there anything in particular you want to do? And I'm thinking about them maybe doing this. Michael um, picked up a really awesome VR system, you know, mm -hmm. but and and we're having a blast trying it out. I It's really, it's really mind blowing. <laughs> 
<laughs> but, and I love it, but I didn't want to say to everybody, oh, you can all come on, check it out until I checked in with wow. Michael to make sure it was that he was comfortable with all sorts of other people using a system, yeah. which he was. And you know, that that's good, but it's all that little bits of checking in just yeah. to make sure the way that we're envisioning it meshes with, with everybody else's vision. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think it, the, the key is just understanding that everything is a choice, you know, yeah. that we're, we're making all these different choices and that we, it, as opposed to that kind of weight of the have tos or the whatever, and just a really quick one from like Thanksgiving of this year, Thanksgiving has been kind of a tough holiday for me since my dad died a few years ago. And um, I was needing it to, to change up. And so last year we did something different, but, but my mom, who's 85, I guess now, um, she needed it to be the same that, you know, she needed some, the food to be the same and kind of the continuity to be the same. And there was a piece of me at first that was like, uh, but I want it to be different. And then I was like, you know what? I can choose either way. So I knew she would, you know, we could figure out and do it differently. But I got to the place of, you know what? I want to give this gift to her and we'll do this. And it actually turned out well. But I needed to kind of, you know, change my head to realize you have a choice, Anna. You don't have to do it. So don't feel this burden of it. But then decide, do you want to or not? And I, I could have gone either way. But I think knowing you have the choice is just so empowering. I love that point. And it, that reminds me because over the years, I have worked through that so many times, right? Because when I'm handed something around traditions, um, you know, whether it's weddings or, you know, whatever kind of event that's going on, it can often be handed to me as an expectation, right? It's handed to me like, of course you do this. This is what you have to do. Right? right. But doing the work to yeah. understand their like their perspective and why it's important sure. to them and and realizing that I can choose to do this for all sorts of reasons that are my reasons. They may think I'm doing it just because it's expected of me. Yeah. But I've gotten to a place where I'm choosing it. And yeah. And even though it looks no different to them, it's a completely different experience for me, right? Oh, and right. My energy feels so different and the whole of the event goes better and yeah. all of that. So it's, it's always about, you know, our work. So I just think that's such an important piece with all of these different holiday things we'll talk about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so maybe there is a holiday tradition in our extended family that doesn't mesh well with us. Yet they're expecting us to participate. So we've talked a little bit about that, about our, um, our shifting. So let's chat about ways that we can navigate those kinds of situations. Yeah. So again, I definitely focus, you know, conversations open and I think about like their level of interest and comfort. And I would say, especially when they were younger. So, you know, my kids are older too, like yours. So it's a little bit different now because we're having different kind of conversations, but when they were little, I had to do a little bit of that. Okay. I know kind of their tolerance level for this type of activity or that, and kind of take all those things into shape. And, um, you know, for example, my oldest, uh, she loved ho the holidays, still does, but um, larger crowds, bigger family gatherings had a lot of energy that was tough for her at times. And so what works for her is to, you know, be involved and she chats and she's busy and she's having fun, but then she needs to get away and have a little bit of space. 
So what I would do kind of pre going into either, you know, someone else's house or if we were having something at our house was make sure we had that space for her. So if we were going to my parents' house or to a cousin's house, I would even sometimes check in. Is there a good spot where she and I can tuck away that doesn't, you know, interfere with your plans, but gives us the space and do some of that pre-work to know because I could, you know, I was with them enough to know, okay, she's getting to that point where she needs a little bit of space. And I would say, oh, hey, do you want to go play the game back in the thing? Or do you want to go read a book? Or you want to chit chat? And then she would be like, yes, you know, and take that opportunity and go. So I would lay some groundwork about things like that. Because I think sometimes we put a lot of expectations on young children to be at these very long drawn out events that are not necessarily fun. (laughs) And so I think that, you know, understanding those, that interest level and comfort was a big piece of that. And sometimes we would find if it was not a conducive environment, we would tag team, you know, when they were little. So if it was something, you know, David, one kid wanted to go and they were going to enjoy this caroling aspect outside. And the other one was like, I don't want to go to caroling outside or whatever the thing would be. You know, we'd take turns and do pieces like that. Um, I think sometimes we get stuck in this idea that, you know, well, this is the tradition, this is the way this family does it, and it's really rigid. But what I found is that when I opened up the conversation, even with cousins or aunts or whatever, they were like, oh, no, we just want you guys to come, and oh, yeah, we'll figure that out. And so there was a a much... I was putting some of that weight on it, that it needed to be just like it was. And I didn't want to upset them or, you know, whatever. But when I was just honest about, well, you know, we may not be able to be there for that for this long period of time, but we can do this, you know, people were, of course, yes. And and much more accommodating than I thought. So sometimes we get in our heads about that kind of thing. I think. And so I think it's important just to, you know, be honest. And if, if, again, if you're keeping your energy in this kind of loving, you know, light, inclusive place, I think people really respond to that. And because this has come up, I'm going to just mention really quick, sometimes there are, you know, child-free events, you know, (laughs) and so for us, when the girls were little, we didn't really do babysitters, like, um, especially my oldest was not comfortable with that kind of situation. So, you know, I would just look at that as, okay, what kind of an event is it? Like say it was a work thing, you know, did David want to go, you know, did we want to kind of tag team? Did we want to do something like that. And and we would just work it out and not, um, again, not put a lot of energy around wanting to change someone's party or tradition or whatever, just realizing it might not work for us this year. And I think that's an important thing you said a few minutes ago. Sometimes we think we, you know, project out for the next 10 years or we'll never be able to do this. And oh my gosh, it changes. It changes all the time. (laughs) You know, and, you know, there were definitely holiday parties, you know, work things where, David and I couldn't go together when the kids were very little, but then they would be spending the night with friends a couple years later and we could go, you know? So it's just things change and evolve. And so we just kind of looked at that moment, what felt good to all of us then and tried to work there. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, I, I was going to go with when, um, you know, when, when you, when it doesn't, work for us like so I remember there was a time when it was it was very much Rocco's family's um, tradition that everybody get together Christmas day after having gotten together Christmas Eve and then oh. getting together <laughs> lunch on Christmas day and we we tried it for a couple of years and the kids were really young so they didn't quite you know get 
um, the gifts and wanting to play with it and everything. But then eventually they got old enough that it didn't really work for us. It's like, you know, we were out there, we were out there late. We finally got home, slapped, do Christmas morning, like with the kids. And then, then you wanted us to come out again. Um, and your energy piece, that was another big thing. So for me, it was really just about, I like to describe it as lightly holding my ground, Yeah, you know, because I'm not trying to convince them that that was a big piece, not trying to convince them to see my point of view and why yeah. we weren't doing something this year, because that that's really a conversation without a winner. Because if I'm trying to convince them, that's the opening for them to try and convince me exactly. why I should be doing it. Right. And then it's just back and forth around and around and around and around. <laughs> so I learned, you know, I don't have to have an expectation of them either to understand why we're not going to be doing X, right. Y, or Z, whatever it is, right? So I might explain with a quick sentence. You know, yeah. I think I said, we're, we're looking forward to hanging out together at home this year. You know, the kids are really excited yeah. about their gifts and we want to yeah. hang out and play with them and do that. And that was it. And, you know, really just sharing it nicely and lightly as a fact yeah. for them to take into account as they make their plans for Christmas Day. We're not going to be there, you know. Yeah. Um, and to, it was just really important not to get sucked into feeling defensive about it, right? Just to lightly yeah. share, this is what works for us. And then the other big piece is this year, for now. Exactly. Right? Exactly. We don't know, right? Uh, and we're going to learn from this experience. Maybe we found that we missed, you know, exactly. not seeing them or something or like, Things changed up. They were getting along better with, with some cousins or something, and they really wanted to get together more often. You know, you don't know. So to, to try and take what's working, what's going to work for us really well, we think this year does right. not define future years at all. So, yeah, that was a really big piece for us. Yeah. Okay, so let's say we're just kind of moving through the possibilities here. Let's say we yeah. do have plans to visit with extended family. So how can we set things up to make that a fun experience? Well, so again, so I would definitely do some of that kind of pre getting the lay of the land, you know, to make sure we knew where we could scoot away if we needed to. Um, we would bring our handheld devices a lot <laughs> because that's something we could easily do if things were not, you know, kind of fun or interesting or it's a lot of adult conversation, you know, that's something they can kind of quietly do either in that space or we can find a different space. We would also bring games that we liked, like that were group games, you know, so that we could share something that we enjoyed with the people there. So we kind of come with, you know, armed with that kind of fun stuff and things that we enjoyed that would help kind of engage everybody and make those connections. Um, and we would also, you know, kind of prepare for the school type questions <laughs> by having, um, you know, we talk about, so as they got older, we would kind of talk specifically like, okay, we're probably going to get this, we're probably going to get that. But when they were younger, what we would do is more just kind of refresh things we've been doing, you know, like, oh, remember how we went to Great Wolf Lodge or we went to this or did that and gave them fun things to talk about so that when those things, questions came up, they were like, oh, but we went to the beach and we did this and we did that. And so then it kind of gets that person starting and all of that. And, and, and I think another big piece of this that goes along with the energy piece is I really like to assume positive intent. And so while we can, as unschooling parents especially, can get frustrated with those kind of school questions, yeah. 
Honestly, most adults just really don't know how to talk to kids at all. <laughs> and so, they just, you know, that's the question that comes to mind. And, and the truth of it is, for 90% of kids out there, school is a giant chunk of their life. And so, you know, it, it's really, there's no ill intent necessarily. It's really just trying to make conversation. And so if we can help have conversations in other ways, and, and maybe I'll just take this as a quick, like, PSA reminder for all of us, when we go to these events, instead of asking about school, if that's, you know, if the niece or the nephew goes to school, find that little nugget of a movie or a book or something that they're interested in, because then we can kind of pave the way of how to have a conversation with this human being that has interests and all kinds of things they want to tell us that isn't related to school. <laughs> so that'll just be the PSA for yeah. all the other young people. I love that. Like, question too. Yeah, I always felt like I was, I started doing that really early on. And I kind of felt like I was just planting a seed that yes. there are other things to talk about. Like even like with the adults, I would, you know, everybody's always asking, how's work? You know, right. just an opening <laughs> for complaining or yep. whatever, most often. Right. So I would like, so what have you been doing for fun lately? Yeah. What are you interested in? You know, what good movie or book did you yes. read slash see? You know, just to opening up conversation about the other bits of life rather than the school and work pieces, which we're so ingrained in. <laughs> and I know. And again, it's so shocked. You know, it's yeah. just that's we kind of get this rut of stuck in. Yeah. So once you're talking about interests and fun, then, you know, it just opens them up to, to starting those kinds of conversations with other people, with kids included too. And I mean, I'm sure this has happened to you guys too. What's so interesting is, you know, we might share, oh, we went to this observatory and we're looking at this and then it sparks this interest in somebody that you didn't even know they had either. You know, they're like, oh my gosh, I love the stars or I've done this or this was my favorite thing. And so I love those you know, there's how those kind of conversations can develop. Because like you said, like school and work, they're kind of dead end, you know, oh, it's fine. Or, oh, I like this. Or, oh, I hate this. Or, like, you know, like it doesn't have that kind of digging in and learning more about each other. So yeah, I think you learn so many other dimensions of people, yes. right? That, that you didn't even know <laughs> existed. Oh, you're going to yoga or, oh, you like to take walks or, you know. And, and what was always so funny was sometimes they would have, often, they would have to think about it, right? Because right. it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to bring this other piece out. I'm just so used to those very typical questions and typical conversations when, you know, you only see them often at holiday, <laughs> holiday gatherings and stuff like that. So yeah, we did the same thing, you know, and still do just coming up with um, things that, that, oh, you know, I bet Graham, grandma would love to hear about, you know, what we did on this trip or, or what we did here, you know, just bringing stuff, like you said, bringing stuff top of mind that are going to work well in that particular situation and you know what that's a skill that's useful throughout life absolutely any you know <laughs> not even just with holiday gatherings family gatherings it's wherever you happen to be going yes. let's like top of mind prepare for what that environment's going to be like who the people are yeah. going to be there what kind of conversations happen there you know those are all good things to do before we go anywhere um oh the other thing we talk about is just kind of the expected flow of what was going to happen 
right? Definitely. So, you know, if, if there, if a meal was involved, when that was likely to start, you know, maybe even bringing some snacks if we knew that it was a time that was out of our routine, but they would not be happy. Oh, don't spoil your, your meal or whatever, right? We would have little snacks so that, you know, you could tide them over to that point. Um, I was trying to think, I think there was one other thing. I think the other piece, you know, when um, talking about when people start asking these questions, you were talking about not getting defensive, right? Um, right. Thinking people, you know, knowing people are coming from, from honest curiosity, if they're asking about homeschooling or stuff like that, you know, and even if you suspect maybe they're not, they're just trying to yeah. put a little dig in, you don't have to rise to that, right? You can just take it honestly and answer honestly because it, they're just looking, if they're just looking for a reaction, you're not giving to them. Eventually, they'll just, they just give up in my experience, eventually. <laughs> maybe if they're nice. Yeah, um, for sure. but, but yeah, doing, taking that time for myself just to shift to a place where I'm just going to lightly answer their question and know that I can change the topic, know that I can leave the conversation, you know, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. Oh, I'm going to go check on the kids. Oh, you know, whatever it is, if I feel like I want to leave a conversation, I'm welcome to, I'm not hostage to any of these situations <laughs> or conversations. Um, and the bringing games piece just made me laugh because I forgot to bring them at Thanksgiving. <laughs> and I was just kind of stuck there. I was like, geez, yeah. once I was there, you know, and the conversation was going where the conversation normally goes, you know, um, and, and I couldn't just like, Hey, let's go play banana grams or something. You know? <laughs> I was like, darn. I'm mean, so I'm glad at Christmas they're coming to our place. We have all our games lined up yeah. and you know what? They came last year and they had a great time. Yeah. It's not that. And it was really funny. I ended up in a conversation about games earlier this week with a bunch of other adults that I don't really know, but we ended up talking about it and and I was explaining how the, the games really are just a conversation piece, right? It's almost like side-by-side -side play that we talk about often with unschooling. Good conversations happen when you're not 100% stuck and focused on the conversation. When you're playing games and you can chat, you know, you're, it just helps break the ice too. And it helps the conversations go wider because they start kind of about the game and how you play the game. And then they just morph into other interesting things. So I think yeah. games are a great way to help things move along. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it, I mean, I, for my kids too, it was fun for them to be able to explain how to play the game. Like it gave them a role in doing that. We're more so equal because we're all players, right? no matter our age, they, and they can show their mastery of things, you know, and, and the adults in their extended family can get to know them a bit better, yes. seeing how well, you know, they explain how well they play, why, the, why they enjoy it. You know, they get to see other dimensions of the kids rather than right. just not knowing what they do because they don't go to school. Okay, so let's pretend we're now there. We're at our parents' home, maybe at our in-laws or a cousin like you were talking about. So let's talk about ways that we can support our children and their relationships with their relatives, because that's kind of a, a different thing, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit about what we just talked about, I think, with kind of the preparing ahead of time, Mm -hmm. because like one of the things that um, I would do, too, was we talk about the flow of like what was going to be happening and where there might be opportunities to kind of connect and do the games connected. But also... um, I would share things about the people. So I might have information from Facebook or conversations where they got a new cat or they just went to the Grand Canyon or they, you know, that type of thing. And those, I knew things, you know, especially like a cat for my oldest would be, she'd want to beeline to that person and be like, tell me about your new cat, you know, <laughs> and just give them some of those little tidbits that maybe they wouldn't pick up because they weren't on Facebook at the time or they won't, you know, that wasn't something that they knew about. So just like we want, you know, these people to see our children as whole people, I think we can help present them as whole people too, Mm -hmm. versus the aunt or the whatever, you know, that they have these interests and these things that they're doing, or they, you know, ran a race or they did whatever. So, you know, we would kind of talk about that and who we were going to see and, you know, even funny stories or what we loved about them or things we had done before, you know, so I kind of those were kind of conversations we'd have, because again, we tend to have long car drives to these places. So we would talk about (laughs) Uh, you know, on the way. Now we live close to everybody, which has its pros and cons. <laughs> so, um, I love that idea yeah. of conversations about the people because that was something that was really helpful for me was to realize how much um, of my own expectations I was putting on it, right? So the relationship between my child and, and my parent, right? So the grand, you know, I could have this dream relationship where they're like the this is what I would love, you know, the kind of grandparent I would love my child to have versus who my parent is. Actually, right? yeah. So being able to um, realize how much of it was just my expectation that I was putting on it and that I was getting frustrated about and realizing this wasn't my relationship to control, right? right. That I actually knew my parent quite well and I knew my child quite well and I could help each of them just try to develop the kind of relationships that they were looking for. Like what kind of relationship was my parent looking to have with my child? Like what kind of grandparent did they want to be and supporting that? And you know what? Maybe it's, it's realizing that they didn't want to have the kind of relationship that I kind of dreamed that they would have. And you know, that was my processing and my sadness to work through whatever it was. Um, But Instead, I could help them have the kind of relationship that they that they could, that they each wanted. I, I could even validate if my child wanted more, but my parent wasn't, or vice versa, right? right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely vice versa for us, I think, too, yeah. you know, and, and I think... Um, I just like that piece because again, it's giving that kind of unconditional acceptance, which, you know, we can give to everyone. It doesn't have to just be between parent and child and whatever. I mean, it really, we can give that to the world and to the people in our lives. And so I think, you know, helping to understand, because we kind of had both, we had the grandparent that was on the floor playing and excited and doing, and then we had one that, that really was not at all of interest, you know, but but, they would have a conversation or ask some questions and there was a way to they like to talk mm-hmm. about themselves. So if you knew those things about them, then the, you know, you could have a conversation. And so I think, again, these are skills that are so helpful anywhere, yeah. <laughs> you know, at work, 
school, you know, college, wherever you're going, what you're doing, like these are just really important communication skills. So I just felt like it was all so valuable and valid, all these different types of relationships and these different types of interactions and, you know, and I guess I did want to touch on too with this piece, the food. So, um, you know, because I think setting kids up for failure happens a lot around sleep and food. <laughs> so we go to these really long events where maybe it's going over a nap or they didn't get a nap because they, you know, we had to drive somewhere or they fell asleep and then they're tired, whatever, and and food. And so I would bring the foods and snacks and, and you might get a little grumble of, oh, it might spoil their meal. And, you know, sometimes I would just go, or we could spoil the moment and everybody's screaming <laughs> or we can feed somebody, you know, or we can just be light about it and whatever but you know for us having those snacks and kind of um known quantity foods things they knew they liked things they would have on hand was just a really easy way to kind of ensure success <laughs> you know at a at a big family meal or a potluck or whatever yeah and often i would i would ask ahead of time it's like oh what are you guys what are you guys making what are we gonna have and and so i would get like the courses or what it was and i'd chat with my kids yeah. oh there's gonna be this this and this and, you know, they, they found out, okay, I know I like that bit and I know I like that bit and I'll be able to eat this, you know, yes. so that, or, or we brought something, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll bring something too. We bring, bring a dish that we know for sure that exactly. we did that. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so there's yeah. at least and something. sometimes we eat ahead of time because I'm particular about what I eat too. So I yeah. eat ahead of time and then I just be able to kind of enjoy little bits and not have it be like I'm hungry and not finding food that I can eat either, you know, because I'm not good when I'm hungry. So. <laughs> <laughs> just, I, know. I know, right? No, that's perfect. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so finally, let's brainstorm things we might do if in the midst of our visit, someone's decided to challenge us about our unschooling lifestyle. Or, you know, you've got that negative relative who just just keeps coming yeah. back to it, just keeps coming back to it. They don't want to let go. Yeah. Well, so we'll just put out the path classic, you know, pass the bean dips, right? <laughs> because sometimes that's what you need to do is just, you know, move right through it and don't even acknowledge it. But, um, but really what I found is that kind of my joy and confidence about our life and our family really set the stage. So, you know, I think it's, it's just a good thing to kind of check your energy when you go into that and be in that, you know, proactive space of sharing, oh my gosh, we had the best week or we had so much fun or we took this trip or we did this thing. And it's just, you know, that energy is contagious and that starts conversations. So you can kind of nip some of that kind of before it gets there. But also, if we've already gotten there <laughs> and it's already happened, um, you know, I kind of go through a couple different thought processes. So first of all, like, who is this person and what is their interest? You know, so if somebody asks a college question, say, like, well, how are they going to get into college? You know, I have to do a quick assessment. Okay, do they, is this someone truly interested? Because I have a big, long answer, <laughs> you know, for the person that's really interested and we can actually have a conversation about it. Or is it a person that's just, you know, that's just kind of the party line that they're wanting to say. And then I can just say, oh, you know, thanks for your concern. And yeah, we've got it covered and pass the bandit. Yeah. And yeah, then, yeah. you know, move on from that. So you don't have to engage, but it doesn't have to be a strong energy thing. You can just kind of whew, let that energy wash over you. And I think that's just really important. They can come at you with all of that negative energy, but you can just like smile and let it wash over you because you know 
why you're doing what you're doing. <laughs> you know the relationship you have with your kids. So you don't have to take any of that negativity from people that don't have a clue, you know, that are just looking in from the outside. Um, I also like the turnaround. <laughs> so basically that's like where I, you know, so let's say we'll stick with the college example. So, oh, well, where did you go to college? And, oh, tell us what you loved about it. Like, what was your favorite part about it? And so, and sometimes it's a really positive, like they're like, oh, well, I love this. And I had the school professor and I, you know, met the person I'm going to marry or I did whatever. And it's like, oh, we can get excited about that. But what's funny is a lot of times it's, I'm still paying off the student loans and I'm not doing anything with the degree and whatever. And then you're kind of going, okay, so why are we doing that? <laughs> like, why? But you know, whatever it is, I think turning it around to just make it a conversation versus this, like you're in the spotlight, you know, you're, you're, you're being quizzed. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I found that to be really helpful. And actually it's a tool that, you know, I gave to the kids as they got older because, you know, as they're out in the world, they're getting fielding these questions on their own. And, you know, I would just tell them, just ask them, turn them, say, Oh gosh, yeah. Could you share what you loved about college with me? I'm still considering my options and figuring out what I want to do. And, you know, just turn that around versus feeling like you have to give this person that you, I mean, sometimes this was like people on an airline with my other daughter, <laughs> with my oldest daughter, like this person that does not need to know your personal plans. <laughs> so <laughs> turn that around and just have a conversation, you know? Uh -huh. um, I, when it's parenting, so the other thing, so you kind of have the unschooling piece, but you also at family yep. parenting issues come up, you know, because for some reason, I think when we're in that family environment, people feel free to speak their mind <laughs> with <laughs> what they want to be happening. So um, again, I, it's, it's what I can control is who I am, you know, and my energy. So I go back to positive intent, <laughs> you know, this person is just, they're sharing something that feels important to them. Maybe it was how they were raised. Maybe it was how they raised their child. So they're feeling slightly defensive that, you know, I'm doing it a different way. So I can kind of, you know, see them and hear them and validate them. And, you know, I can sometimes choose to explain why we might be making a choice, be it around bedtimes or not forcing hugs, which can come up, you know, mm -hmm. in families, because I'm very much a body autonomy person. And so that we did run into a little bit of that at first, like, you know, grandma's coming and I'm like, Oh, you know, she's does look like she's not ready for a hug right now. <laughs> or, you know, yeah. let's check in with her. And then, you know, sometimes that would cause rubs, but you know, I could just kind of quickly say, Oh, you know, I, she, I want her to be able to decide, you know, when someone's touching her and that kind of thing. And so sometimes I'd need to explain and sometimes you can deflect. So you can kind of gauge that in the moment, but, um, but just don't feel defensive. You know, that was the key for me. Just don't, it's, it's not, they're just saying whatever they're saying. I can just let that wash over me, even if they mean it as an attack, you know, <laughs> even if they mean to try to say something that they think, you know, I don't know, will hurt me or whatever. I, I get to choose how I feel and what I do with that information. So that can just, you know, wash over me. Um, I was going to say, I think when, when we feel like that, uh, feel that as an attack, I think, and we feel defensive and, and we get pulled into it. I think sometimes that's because on some level, like I know for me, what I work through on some level, I still wanted their approval. Right. Yeah. 
And so I had to do, we, we just wanted to convince them to see what we see, you know, because, because we've done all this work. Right. Um, but, but it's that realization we can't control them, you know, same as we don't want to control our children. Right. And we don't want them to control us. Like we want to make our own choices. Right. (laughs) Uh, but to turn around and trying to convince them to make the same choice as us, like back, like we talked about earlier, you're back stuck in that circular conversation. That's not going to go anywhere. And that bringing, just bringing that energy that you're, we're very comfortable with the choices that we're making and we're just living these choices with you. But to, um, to do that processing, you know, before to get to that, that place where we can release the need for their approval you know that that's that's a mindset shift for us right and that that we can disengage we don't have to get pulled in um and that positive energy i think is is so helpful i think on on another level too people might worry that i don't want to be faking it right because sometimes we are feeling challenged about uh something's going on with their kids or or whatever whatever but what I came to realize was this wasn't the place I wanted to talk about it anyway. These weren't the kinds of answers that I wanted to get, right? I wasn't going to be asking for their help because they're going to be giving me conventional um, answers. They're going to suggestions, advice, etc. So I would save those kinds of things for people, you know, whether it was online unschooling groups or, you know, conferences, whatever groups that we had locally. Those were the kinds of answers I was looking for. Those are the kinds of um, the perspective that I wanted um, to work on, work through these issues. So I would not open up those conversations in an environment where all the advice was going to be conventional anyway, because then I would just feel bad about anything that they said, feel the need to, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. You know, Right. Yeah, it's not and the right place, right? Kind of important piece about that is because, so we do have, we have something going on. There's some kind of bedtime struggle or there's yeah. a co-sleeping thing or there's whatever. And we know this isn't really the audience, but when you bring a problem to someone or to a group, like they want to solve it. Yeah. You know, really, it's not like they're attacking or doing their, they may be, if you bring it to them, they're going to say, oh, well, we just put them in the crib or, oh, well, we didn't have that problem because we just locked the door at eight o'clock and they couldn't come out or whatever. But you're, but really you've kind of initiated by bringing that problem there. So you're right. Like I never, (laughs) those kind of things there. I kept it high and fun and what we're doing because I have friends and groups and other things that can help me with a co-sleeping issue or with a you know nursing issue or with a thing that might not fit in that group. So just keep in mind that again, they're trying to help and, and you know, it may not be delivered in a way that feels good. And so those conversations, we just avoid it altogether. Um, but one other thing I wanted to say too, that we often did, and I think you guys did too, is we would use these interactions as conversation, like fodder for conversation on the way home. Oh, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> like, Oh, you know, Auntie X thinks that we should clean our plate, you know, and so how do you feel about that? Or what do you think or whatever? And then, you know, have a conversation and I might share something from my childhood, like why I don't like that, like why that doesn't feel good to me and whatever. And we also can talk about but you know, she came from a different time and this is, was important to them. And this is what she was taught from her family. Why do you think that was, you know, so we would just enjoy that kind of 
you know, sociological, you know, just like looking at it all. Yeah, you know, it wasn't ever about dissing them as a person, right, right? at all, because it's about understanding them as a person, you know, how they came to develop that belief, you know, how even how they're interacting with people, you know, just just all of that. It was all it was all more learning and and, you know, how we can engage, how we can not engage, how we can choose to not go next year or next time, you know, what we can do when we're feeling uncomfortable, you know, making up plans for next time. It was all great fodder for conversation, but it's really important conversation to have though too, right? It's not like, oh, we finally got through it. I don't even want to talk about (laughs) Thanksgiving again until we have to do it next year or whatever, (laughs) because that's how we learn, right? I feel like the, the light conversations actually, um, what is the word? Like maybe kind of take some of that weight away because we're not like leaving it like, Oh, we've just been yeah. attacked or it's been yeah. the whole thing. We're just able to say, Oh my gosh, you know, I love this or I love that. And we talked about the things we enjoyed and we talked about the things that were challenging and what we could do differently. But I feel like, again, just that and it brought the four of us back together, yeah. you know, it got back to our unit versus, you know, this kind of extended family, which maybe felt a little squirrely at times, you know, yeah, or no. a little challenging. I think that um, processing is so important, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. Because you're right. Or else everybody, you know, so often in your mind, when you don't talk about it, you can start spinning on the things that didn't work well. You know, right. somebody made some random comment that we took defensively if we keep it inside, we'll keep thinking about it and keep thinking about it. And that's the one thing we'll remember out of all the, you know, 10 other things that went great that we could have yeah, enjoyed. Focus on the negative. Yeah. Until yes. we process it. And then, and then we just get some validate. Oh yeah. What a crappy thing to say. We get, we get some validation from, from the rest of our family. Um, maybe we get some insights from them. We then the conversation also turns to all the good things that we enjoyed and yeah, we can come away from it with a much, much better perspective on what happened. Uh, you know, some more wisdom, some more learning, some more everything about it when you actually process it, then hold it like a rock inside. right? Right. I think so too. And again, that piece about, um, you know, just showing kindness towards the people that may be in a bad place because it, it just reminded me of, you know, we all, when the kids were little, unrelated to even family events, but family events and playgrounds and whatever, we would talk yeah. about, you know, when we're hungry, when we're tired, when we're upset about something, when we're feeling pressure from somewhere else. And so, you know, they would be very little and somebody would be upset and they would be like, I think they probably need a snack, you know? <laughs> I think you're probably right about that. <laughs> But, but what I love about that is that observation isn't that they're a bad person or they're mean or they're a bully or they're whatever. It's, oh, they've got some kind of need that mm-hmm. needs to be met. So I love, you know, and, and so we would just continue that with family and playgrounds and friends and whatever so that we're always looking at people, you know, as human beings as opposed to just this yeah. you know, judgment yeah, no, I love that piece too because it's this, these are the same kinds of conversations we would have after, you know, um, you know they they spend time at a friend's, they went and visited at a friend's, and and you know, parenting is different, things are different, expectations are different, you know, 
again, it comes back to, you know, unschooling is, is life really, right? You know, this is how, how we engage when we're out and about in the world and having conversations um, and seeing how other families do it, other kids, you know, just helping our kids process and learn through all that. We don't turn that off just because it's family now. And, and so often, you know, that can be a step for us to take, right? Because we feel our position Absolutely. in the family <laughs> and we're like, oh, okay, I'm this little girl and I'm just going to be yes. quiet and do what I'm told and we're going to do everything as, as good as we can so that we can get out of there yeah. and, and be accepted or whatever, you know, but to bring that whole, our whole of us into yes. our family as well, our extended yes. family. And who we are now, because yes. I think that's so critical, you know, for us to talk about and everybody listening, that so often when we're around our family, our extended family, it does just whoo, send us straight back to being a teenager or to being in some kind of adversarial piece or whatever, or this power differential. And to just realize, you know, we're grown adults and we have families and we can interact as equals and family and on this place. And, and so I guess the biggest piece I want to leave with people is it's just, it's for me, it's been so much about the energy I bring into the situation, you know, and holding that loving space and, you know, setting the stage because the minute I start to feel defensive or I start to feel that kind of power differential, you know, things just go south and I have done it many times, you know, gotten defensive or, you know, felt attacked or whatever. But, but what I love is that I know now that I can make that choice at any moment, even if I've started to feel defensive, even if I've started to, you know, feel like, wait a minute, you know, this is not fair. This is whatever. Like I can just let all of that go in a split second and change back to you. But who do I want to be right now? And I love my family and I love the choices that we're making and we, we feel good about what we're doing. And then I can radiate that. And it really does just change a room. You know, it really does. So like, that's the work we can do before going into these holiday situations that can just really change it and make it, you know, better for all of us. Yeah, I love that. And that's a great way to end. And that's my experience too. The energy is, is everything, you know, it, it really is. And, and over the years, they see it, you know, for some, some of our extended family, it was never about understanding what we were doing. It was about, you know, we brought great energy and we were always so happy when we saw them. And over the years, <laughs> they Thanks started to see the value and all that. Yeah. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me, Anna. That was so much yeah, fun. Always happy to. And happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> I'm in my office slash Lissy's bedroom, and I put the chair. I love it. <laughs> okay, bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also enjoy the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out my book, The Unschooling Journey, A Field Guide. Inspired by Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey Framework, the book is a weave of myths, contemporary stories, and tales from my own journey. It's not a how-to book. No two paths through the world of unschooling have the same twists and turns. Yet, having a general sense of where you are on your journey can bring valuable insight as you navigate the challenges that will inevitably appear. Remember, 
You are the hero of your story.